Welcome to the CF Stories Podcast, where we take some time each week to get to know different members of Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. Our community is filled with people from different walks of life, from doctors to teachers to business owners, who all have unique experiences to share. This is who we are, and these are our stories. This is the CF Stories Podcast, and I'm your host, Elliot Johnson, and today we have part two of three of our Generations mini-series. One of our priorities in Christ Fellowship is to ensure that we have a multi-generational congregation. We welcome all ages. We want all ages to be represented, even when it's a part of our leadership or a part of our activities, something for everyone, old, young, and everything in between, all people in between. And today, I'm I'm not trying to be partial, mind you, but we have the millennial generation, which according to Pew Research is birth years 1980 to 1996, which would mean me right in the middle of that, born 1986, and we are having this conversation. I say we because I'm also part of the group that's being interviewed. So we have a conversation here recorded between myself and some fellow millennials about our experiences. And well, here's our stories. Well, welcome everyone here to this episode for this podcast, this particular podcast episode. So this is episode two in our generational series here. And I'm here with my own generation right now. I'm here with my own generation, the millennials. So we have three millennials, well, four millennials, including myself, right in front of me here as we're recording this. And uh, first, I want to go and just do some brief introductions. So I just want you to say your name and your age. So your name and how old you are. And we'll just go from left to right. And so your name and how old you are. Go ahead. All right. Well, um, I'm Eric Stanley. I am 35. I feel really old for saying that, but. I'm 35. <laughs> I am Leslie Chacon, and I'm 31. I am Christina Fernandez, and I am 27. I almost forgot for a second. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm like 26, 27. I don't. I'm Elliot Johnson, <laughs> right. and I'm 34. All right. So there we go. So those ages are specifically within the millennial bracket. And the reason why we have to really define that is because when we talk about generations, There's a lot of different names, nicknames, pet names, and slanderous names that go on with each generation. Each generation has a name that's like categorized by a certain time frame. And it's really important to understand that because even if you, you know, remember certain things from being a little kid, it probably wasn't really yours. There's a kind of like a distinction between generations. It all really is about when you were born specifically. So if you, so the millennial generation cohort, I'll tell you exactly, this is from Pew Research and just to really make sure everyone understands, is the birth years from 1981 to 1996. So that's the millennial cohort, millennial generation. So that would mean then that the youngest person in the millennial generation is 24, and the oldest person is 39. So that's like the brackets there. So, you know, you have uh, you have generations beforehand. So you have, and just to put it in perspective, so you have the silent generation and that's birth years from 1928 to 1945. So that's ages 74 to 91. Then you have the boomers, the baby boomers, the ages 53 to 73. So that's 1946, 1964. Then you have Gen X. So that's 1965 to 1980. So that's ages 39 and 54. 
And then you have us millennials, we just said. And then, and then, we're not even the youngest generation, guys. Wow. Then you got Generation Z. Generation Z. The babies. The, the, <laughs> the, well, some of them are. Um, you have <laughs> nine, the birth years of 1997 to 2012. And that's ages 7 to 22 with an asterisk. Why does that seem so so much more broad than ours? But it's like the same money years. Well, that's the thing that's tricky. I mean, the really, really historically, what really sets this up is the baby boomer generation. Because generations kind of weren't like a thing until that time. So you got like the post-World War II era. And that's actually, that generation is actually defined in the U.S. Census as this. It's the only generation that's actually defined in in the census. It's saying 46 to 65 those years, and you know that's it because that you know that's the the birth explosion, <laughs> you know. And Everybody was happy. Is it, you know, hey, the world was a different place, you know. <laughs> World War II was Versus over. Versus us really? growing up through a recession. Yeah, right? well, well, we'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you worry. Financially, uh, um, so you know that's obviously a different time, but in a lot of ways, that's like um, you know parents and grandparents' generation too. So, you know, that's their experiences and things like that. So I think it helps to really define like where the generations go, because I don't know about you guys, but like, for example, like I've heard the term like millennial just being used by someone who's maybe like 60 as just anyone who's younger than them. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So. um, So, yeah. So that's kind of, you know, what the, the point is. So what would you say? Let's just start with like your own like views on the millennial generation. So what. In your opinion and in your experience, is specific to the millennial generation. What are maybe two things? It could be from like pop culture, fashion, or just a general attitude or mindset. Let's maybe like two or three things. What would you say would define us? I don't know why the, the first phrase that came to my mind was "It is what it is." It is what I it is. I don't know why. And I had all these different things pop in my head, but that one like just jumped at me. It is what it is. Because we've been through tragedy, like terrorism. We've been through like just stupidity. I don't know. I feel like depending on what spectrum or what, uh, like if you're closer to the, what was it, 39? 39. You're like kind of in a different, I don't know. You Which all, I am. You'll testify to this or whatever. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm 31. I feel like I have the sweet spot of both. I don't know. I think it's funny you said that because the first word that I thought of was resilient, which is kind of like, in summary, it is what it is. Mm. I think we're the most resilient generation. Yeah, we're just going to go through it. Right. Like, we, we've touched on the brink of every bad thing historically from the other generations. Mm. Right? Like, baby boomers... <clears throat> That generation is great because it's like, what a happy time. People wanted to have kids. It seemed like everything, you know, was at a high. And then Gen Xers kind of get the beginning of what the millennials suffered through. Gen Zers kind of get the end, but we just get the suffering. We just get all all of the bad stuff that happened within the last few years, like, you know, 9-11 or the recession. (laughs) (laughs) We shop at at Hot Topic. Um, We even had, you know, music that was just... A little it was it was hard for our soul like <laughs> and i i think so if anything if i think of millennials i just think of resilient like i think we're always trying to come on top yep. we're always trying mm. to work smarter not harder and yeah. it's because everything we've been given to us has been a challenge yeah. mm. i definitely agree christina because like it's kind of like we've had to make it regardless of what you know what we had like you know like it's like odd jobs that people have now right so <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not close enough to the mic um like our jobs we had to make just like make things work like we've had to think outside the box i feel like more so 
than the generations you know before us, which made us a lot more resilient because we had to. I say that as I drink my Starbucks coffee, on right? this podcast, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but you know, like there's apps of like how to save like five, ten cents here and there. Like people are doing it. Like you know, little small jobs, like like working as a um a waiter on the weekends when they have a full time job. But we're still pushing through through a pandemic, through financial crisis. Like we're still making it work. And, you know, our parents are kind of like, well, you know, you guys don't understand the struggle. I'm like, what? Like, come on. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Every generation can say that. Too. And, right. And I think that's important, too. And I always like to bring that up, especially as a teacher, like being a teacher and I communicate with parents, which at this point in my life, my students, parents are not that much older than I am or are the like same age or similar age as, as I am. Or they're like literally five to seven years older. And that's it. Like, it's not like, um, you know, when I first started teaching, you know, I was 23. So every parent was like, you know, significantly older than me. But now when I meet a parent, I'm like, what year did you graduate high school? (laughs) And and they're like, oh, you know, uh, uh, 2007. I was like. Or they'll say like, or they'll say like 2000 or 2001. I was like. Freshman, and you were a senior. Okay, yeah. you know, so, into that yeah, right. <laughs> but it, it is true. Like, I, you know, generations are different. But I think, you know, historically, there is like this bias, right? There's a yeah. bias that, like, the younger generation, like, they don't know, like, they don't know how it was. They don't know how it was. Which is like, you know, we're most likely going to say that too, <laughs> you know, at one point because. I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a I don't know if that's a positive thing like to to think that way like oh these kids don't know and cuz our parents our grandparents said that about our parents mm-hmm. and our great grandparents they said that about our grandparents like oh you know. So what what do you guys make of that? Do you think that um that type of criticism of generations is fair? No, I mean I think it's more of a this is something that, like you said before, has been passed down from generation to generation, mm. where their parents said that to them. I even talk about talk about my mom. My grandmother says this about to my mom all the time, saying, um, "Just deal with it, suck it up. You got to be stronger. You got to be stronger." And then my mom was like, "Oh, Eric, you got to be stronger." I'm like, "I am stronger. Like, I'm good. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing this." But it's like it's a generational curse in a sense because it's kind of like they, from their perspective and what they've been through. They don't see the same way that we do mm. in a way. Like the things we're dealing with right now, every day and age, they say, you know what? You guys have it so much better because you didn't have to go through so much, you know, um, too many issues growing up as we did. You know, speaking on my own family from North Carolina, from the South, they tell me all the time, you don't understand what it's like to have to walk miles and miles to school. You have a car. I'm like, but I work for this company. You don't get it. <laughs> we had to carry like a, 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 a um, a belt strap attached to our books and walk miles and miles of school. You know, that's the definition of struggle, but it seems like they don't really get the now day and age type of struggle. So mm. it's kind of like a generational curse. Like, I don't get my mom's struggle. Mom doesn't really get my grandmother's struggle, but I guess in their own right, it is a struggle, but they don't really see my struggle. Mm. They see me as like, oh, you're kind of privileged. I'm, I am not privileged. <laughs> I, I struggle <laughs> like crazy. Are you kidding me? But, you know, I don't know if anybody can kind of piggyback on that, but. It's it's tough, and it feels as if, in my heart, I felt like they didn't get it for such a long time, and we would get into debates and arguments because it's like, you're not getting where I'm coming from, I'm not really getting where you're coming from, but we, in a way, we both have our own struggles that we have to deal with. Like we said all the time, God never gives us more than we can handle. So it's kind of like in the same setting, whereas God gives you that, yeah, 
he's giving me this because he knows I can handle this. It doesn't make me any less stronger than you are because of what you've been through. And I'm not negating the fact that you went through a lot of hard stuff that I probably wouldn't have been able to go through. But there's stuff that I'm dealing with right now that you probably wouldn't be able to. Hmm. So, you know, it's kind of that back and forth. I was just thinking, like, um, I guess hearing the older generation say things like that, like, um, like Eric said, about you don't understand my struggle, things like that. I'm thankful for struggle because, I mean, they might say that because we do have more privilege in a sense because we like the world has changed so much and there's so much that we have that that they didn't have. But then that just goes to show that struggle brings progress. You know, like if every generation struggles, we're going to get better. You know, like if, if it's good to see struggle and each one has a different type of struggle. So I'm here for it. That, that's well said. And I'm glad you brought that up, because um, one thing that I have observed is how there might be either like a misunderstanding or a misjudgment about like you struggled so that your children would not have to struggle the way you did. But what I think happens like psychologically is that because that's either misunderstood or misjudged, it's like, okay, well, you know, you don't know what it was like back then to which like we look at our parents or grandparents and we're like, well, yeah, like I don't. I, I don't. <laughs> that's the but point. Why yeah. would I, but why would I? Why, I'm not like you didn't live in Portugal. Exactly. And I think that's hard for like not just immigrant parents or anything like that or immigrant families. I think that's hard for just generations to understand like your children are not going to live the way that you lived right. and you didn't live the way that your grandparents lived. Like, you know, I don't know if you're I don't know if someone's grandparent or great grand or whatever, how far it goes back was like, oh, this newfangled thing, the radio. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that was weird for some at some at some point. Like, oh, yeah. well, why is this box talking to me? Like, that's at one point that right. was cutting edge technology and that was like whoa you know so they didn't even have colored photos like that's the weirdest to me yep. wow and that's but that's the thing like there is progress but you know i think that's that's uh something that needs to be understood now talking about progress and talking about and we've kind of mentioned it a couple times about more like an economic base you mentioned uh, christina mentioned job security you mentioned buying a house things like that do you think that that what what is it in that that we struggle with the most when it comes to like the economics of, you know, growing up, things like that. So we have, you know, the, uh, the 2008 housing crisis and then we, you know, have a recession that, you know, comes right after that. And here we are, you know, years and years later, you know, after that, you know, over 10 years after, has that made like a, like a real huge mark on our psyche as the millennial generation? Cause I know people who don't want to buy a house at all cause they're like, nah, yo, this, this is too much. You know, I'm not signing for no 30 year, nothing. You know, I'm going to rent my life and stuff like that, which some and that's another generational thing because it's like, what do you mean you don't want to buy a house? Yeah. What, are you, what, what? What are you saying? So has that made a mark like things like that? For I example? feel like that's a very that's a heavy question because a lot of things are involved in that. Um, yeah. Like, yeah, people can be scared of buying a house, but there's also people aren't getting married as young anymore. So people might be waiting for that. So true. Yeah. And then um, job security, people jump from jobs to jobs. I don't know. It's like it's not as common to settle down and get a house but is it because ethics have changed or is it because we just don't have the money because getting married what it was 20 years ago is not the same as getting married now so I find that a lot of millennials too are waiting to settle down because they just can't afford it Mm -hmm. like they have this pressure again from their parents to have these like and I'll I'll even speak for myself my parents this is crazy I can't believe I'm going to admit this on this podcast but my parents had 400 people at their wedding 
I am. I am. I'll is, be, that, is that the whole village? I'll be lucky if oh, I have. No, a, I'll be able to afford a hundred people. people. Yo, they, and, oh my goodness! The whole the whole squash. Yeah, and and cousins galore. Like, this is your cousin. Um, hi, I'm Christina. Nice to meet you. The whole nation of Portugal is. Yeah, but this is they, your cousin from Japan. <laughs> they they managed to do that. I yeah. I could never. I I mean, unless I was like a multimillionaire, I don't think I could ever afford that now. But again, the economy things didn't cost how they right now they weren't paying that getting yeah. married in newark at Seattle's or people staying, are staying at home later not everyone's going to school to get a degree and like there's no cookie cutter lifestyle anymore yeah really i think like to that point i just even um i know specifically you were asking like about the housing like it's like leslie said it is such a loaded question because it's already hard enough to get a house now if you don't have a spouse look at that that's a that rhymes (laughs) um and also it it's like um it they they haven't set it up for us to be super successful in that like everything no no, i'll just interject when you say they like what does that exactly mean i guess like yeah i guess like society in general like um like just the market the economy we it's like you said we did come in at a housing crisis like our parents were able to afford property at the time that was around the same standard as whatever their inflation was for their um, salary. Now it's like you could be making really good money and you still might not be able to afford that house. Property taxes have skyrocketed. Mortgage prices have skyrocketed. And not to mention, I mean, now because we're in a pandemic, interest rates finally went down, but those have also been extremely high for the last however many years. So you're talking about millennials are coming from, especially to a lot of first generation parents. It's like we, we have always been taught the American dream. Like, yeah, you work hard, you save, and you'll be able to afford all these things. And then that's exactly what we did. We we went to college, we worked hard, we saved, and guess what? We still couldn't afford those things. Like, they didn't make it so that that was as accessible to us as they made it seem. So now, like Eric said, you could be a teacher, but you're bartending on the weekends, like, yeah. to afford your rent. I, I know several colleagues that, you know, right. the, the side hustle. But um, that's also shaped our attitudes. Like, I think sometimes as millennials we're also hesitant on maybe even identifying with our struggles because the generation before us has made us feel kind of guilty for those. I don't know if you guys agree, Mm. but like Mm. my parents sometimes make me feel so guilty for being upset about something like buying a house because they're again, like Leslie said, well, you you didn't have to leave a country. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I get that, but, but this is what I'm living in now. And so like every day I'm, I'm thinking about how am I going to afford where I'm going to live? And even though that might seem lesser than to you, it's still my struggle at the moment. But sometimes I feel like that's also shaped our narrative a little bit. So then when we do have things that we can afford, like my Starbucks coffee, or, <laughs> or you know, we do have, like, I guess, more privileged lifestyles and compared to the generation before us, I feel like we're so adamant in protecting that. We're so adamant about saying, yeah, but, like, I worked for this, or, oh, you know, but 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 I deserve this now because it's like, well, we've been shaped by parents telling us this entire time, like, well, you didn't have to you didn't have to walk my walk. And it's like, OK, well, <laughs> let me yeah. just enjoy this now then. You know, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I think that it, it came to mind that um, we've also been able to see the consequences of things and like the risks. So like speaking about houses, we we're, we're able to see the the struggles with 2008 and things like that. But we also get to see like, OK, my parents are great. They have a house, but we weren't able to go on vacation ever. Or like growing oh up, my or, God. yeah. <laughs> Trade off. My Trauma. first vacation, I was in my twenties with my own job. Like, I mean, my parent, we have like one or two random vacations in there, but 
my parents never did anything. They, did they, they make you feel guilty for it? Because all, I money and for... guilt is like the, the cusp. Oh, you're going oh, on vacation? Yep. Of at least immigrant. I don't know about... Yeah. How guys... dare you spend your money enjoying yeah. yourself? We have such... A, we're, we're like figuring everything out. It's like, okay, this is what I was taught or influenced with. Mm-hmm. But what is what is better for me? So it's like we're, we're in that age where we're like figuring that out. And it's like, I just... We're trying to get there and also enjoy it at the same time. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think I think some of this really falls into like like wealth brackets too, though, oh, because yeah. I think you know someone in our bracket, some of our age group who comes from like generational wealth, right? So someone who's in their early thirties or late twenties or mid thirties or whatever, um, but also like you know they're from a family of industry, like, you know, someone who's like a part of like the Rockefeller family, you know, or, or like, you know, a descendant of like, like (laughs) Andrew Carnegie or something like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like someone like that, who is like in our age bracket is living a different life Mm -hmm. at the same time. Whereas someone who's more like a middle-class person is living a different life. And someone who's a working class person is living different. So I think some of this does fall into like the age bracket things, but I think too, and this is where it's like, um, like a perception reality paradox thing where it's like we, because we invented social media and I, I'll, I'll clarify that in a minute because our generation invented social media. Um, we, you know, display ourselves in a way that can be deceiving, but also can be realistic depending on really you and like, you know, your own situation. And the reason I say um, we, you know, made social media is because Mark Zuckerberg is 37 years old, mm-hmm. right? He is, is, I mean, he's you know, like two years older than me, like so, or three, actually, maybe 38, but like he's, he's like three years older than I am, all right? So it's like he launched Facebook in 2004. That's when I graduated high school. So it's like, that's a, that like social media is like a distinct millennial innovation bridging from, you know, the internet, obviously, like, you know, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and all them to like what we have now, right? So you think about it like that, but we do display ourselves in ways that I think do confuse though, like our, you know, older generation. Cause it's like, you know, we look cool and we're doing this and doing that. But at the same time, it's like, how you say it? It's like, yeah, but like I saved for this, this trip, mm-hmm. you know, Eric, you're going to say something before. Uh, yeah, I guess. And t- talking about just generational like wealth, like I, in a way I was kind of similar to Leslie where, you know, I had to pay for school out of pocket. I mean, I'm still doing it. And going on vacations? No, that wasn't a thing you did. It was, you know, the, what is it? The um, the struggle, in a sense. They're used to not having much or anything at all. So they kind of expect me to, like, not have much or, and, or, or at all and be content with it. Like, just be okay with paying your bills this month and just get through life. And I'm like, no, I want to enjoy life. I want to, like, have yeah. fun and do things. But it's different for them. And I get it. I'm not, totally not trying to like knock how they do things because they're always, you know, she's always there with me for me. My family's always there for me. But I do things differently. I feel like they don't see that. So it's kind of I hard. think the generation before us is really, really holding on to that narrative that you need to just work hard 24-7. Yep. And millennials are completely the opposite. I think we're just like, okay, well, we've seen you work all your life. And we don't want to do that. I want to do that. So we're going to work <laughs> smarter and not harder. Right. And so we've come up with ways now where we have better work-life balance. And I don't think that the generation before us really understands that. Like, they don't understand that when you have, you know, some extra money, you want to go out on vacation. Because to them, that was a luxury. And then also circling back to Elliot's point about, like, social media, 
it also doesn't help that we see other people doing the same things that we want to do. So now we're not just coming home to our families and talking in, you know, just between our small communities. We're seeing our friends from college. We're seeing our friends from high school. We're seeing everything they're doing. And it's like, well, I want to do that too. And why can't I? I work hard for my money. So it's like the generation before us, I don't think they really understand that. And then Gen Z, I think in contrast, they don't understand like how much we appreciate this portion of life. They kind of, they, they, they're growing up where technology is the norm. Social media is the norm. Traveling is the norm. All of this stuff is a norm for them. These are the trends that we're starting to set because we didn't grow up with any of it. We started social media. We really started going on vacations, traveling. We started doing all of that without our parents, you know, like without their guiding hand. That was something that we wanted to do in contrast to their struggle. I think that's a huge identifier for millennials. Mm. I think that is, that's a good point too. And I think, um, I think like understanding like that difference and especially like from like the economic lens, I think is really important. Um, when it comes to like understanding the difference between the generations, because the like the economy in like the 1920s versus the 1950s versus the 1990s, like those are different. That's a different life. That's a different thing. I mean, just alone, you know, one income paying, covering everything and, you know, the wife staying at home like that idea and image is from like a previous generation. Like that's not our story. Like It's not no, like not that's not that's not our story. Like so, you know, when it comes to that, it's. It's it's a, it's a different thing. To speak to that, I'm the first woman ever in my family on both my mom and my dad's side to ever live by myself. Like you do not really move out unless you're married or unless you're, you know, yeah, unless you're married really because it just wasn't the norm. Like you either couldn't afford it or it's like why why are you that independent? And it's like this is a millennial thing. They they had a hard time understanding that culturally and um just generationally like what do you mean you're living by yourself? And how can you afford that? <laughs> um, I want to pivot to to a lighter topic, oh. <laughs> a lighter topic of, um, and we'll get back to a serious one uh, towards the end. Don't worry about that. But I want to come into the idea of uh, of memory. All right, real quick. I want to come into the idea of memory, and I want us to just kind of discuss our first memories of certain things. So I want us to kind of take a little trip down memory lane, right, for ourselves. And I want to talk about things like fashion, music, you know, pop culture, certain things like that. So first question is this, is what is the first movie you remember seeing in the movie theater? In the movie theater? In the movie theater, yeah. Oh, wow. This is a hard one. The theater, honestly, Selena. Okay, so that was like, what, 97? (laughs) She died in 95, so... So the the movie... I'm sorry if that was wrong. I I feel like I have to Google it because I'm going to like be shunned by like the entire... I want to say that was out in like 97. Yeah, yeah, 96, 97. Yeah, that sounds about right. Selena, I'm pretty sure it was 1995 that she passed away. Yeah, 1995, March 31. But the movie was what, 97? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I saw like... I probably saw The Lion King. I probably saw these... The Lion King, I, I only remember watching it at home. But this one, I think, because I was just crying so much. So I just remember it. That's probably why, because it's attached to emotion, you know? Yeah. I'm going to text my parents while you guys are talking and ask. <laughs> memory. Yeah. Oh, memory. What do you remember? What, what remember? Yeah. Um, for me, actually, man, I think it is Lion King. I think it's Lion King was the well, first was movie I remember. No, maybe not. Oh, man. Well, Lion King. So Lion King was, what, 94? I was only one. I think Five. came out. I'm, I'm a little... Oh yeah, you're yeah. at the the tail end. Yeah, and I oh, think yeah. Little Mermaid came out the That's year 89. I was born. Yeah. Oh, it's 89. Oh, so it was even before. Yeah. I was born 93. Oh, okay. So, 
It wasn't a Disney. I, I want to say it was Finding Nemo, to be honest with you. I, love, I saw Finding, Finding Nemo, Nemo in the movies, too. Yeah, I want to say it was Finding Nemo. Fantastic movie, by the way. I did not but, see Finding Nemo in the movies. I, so, yeah, there you go. Well, mine was, I guess, was a little bit... I forget what year it came out. I want to say I was five when this movie came out. The first live-action Ninja Turtle movie. Oh, yeah. man. Wow, Very that was first dude, one. Dude, that... I remember as a kid, like I thought they were real. Yeah, yeah, because this the the prosthetics yeah. and the costuming is so. I, I'm like, yo, that's that's a real, Ninja Turtles are a real yeah. thing. Like yeah. that's real. They yeah. are terrifying. When I when I, we, I walked out, I was terrified, but I was always obsessed with the Ninja Turtles because so, that's the thing. Like think about this. Like being a little kid, yeah, it looked so real. And you're like, yo, Ninja Turtles are real. Like, it, I'm looking the drain right now. Like, right. there's a Ninja Turtle just hanging. What's up, Leo? Like that's you know that's the thing. What's um a fashion item that you individually, like you personally loved as a child that like you wanted it or you had it and you like wore it like all the time? What age, what age are you thinking? So like let's go. School? Let's go like elementary school. Then we'll go to teenage. Like what's like a little kid, like an elementary school thing. And then what's like a teenage thing? It might be stereotypical, but I wore a lot of FUBU. <laughs> as a kid or as, in high school? As a, as a kid, oh, all the way both. through. Yeah, all the way through. Like so yesterday, was, it was it was so Saturday. I remember there was a shirt. My mom let me walk out the house with this shirt. Literally, it just said uh, in the front, it said F U, and in the back, it said Boo. <laughs> and I always get in trouble because my teachers were like, "What are you trying to represent?" I said, "No, no, no! Look at the back of my shirt. Look at the back of my shirt. It's Boo Boo. It's Boo Boo." Your parents didn't have a problem with this. Uh, my grandmother didn't know. I bought. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, because she, she always said, "Why are you wearing that shirt?" Because she saw it from like the full. Oh, do manager. you have any pictures in this? Shirt? I do actually. I was, I'm going to send it to you guys. Oh, I'll, we need to see it. Be the cover me. of the podcast. <laughs> Christina, what about you? In elementary school, I don't. I'm not sure if there was anything particular that I really held on to because I was I was a big tomboy. Um, I played a lot of sports. I was really all I cared about. So if anything. I would say like maybe just my idea sneakers. I had my dad bought the me so many pairs. The sambas. Oh wow. Well, Those. you know, so yeah, that's that's that I feel like that's more like the soccer yeah. European. This is like the stereotypical <laughs> Portuguese. Yeah. I also I had Pumas. Yes, Pumas were big that's, for soccer yeah. players. That's, yeah. That's, that's, and then like transitioning into Pumas. teenager, then there was um the diesels. I don't know if you guys remember. Oh, yeah. Diesel jeans. Yeah. Everything. Girl, yeah. That's still around. That's still around. Diesel, you made still it. around. You made yeah. it. But in, in terms of elementary school, I want to say maybe the Adidas. That was also the big like rock goth phase that I think was going on at the time. So well, I also. Because we had like the. I don't, we'll get to the music in a minute. Like, we had emo and the pop punk. Yeah. So, so I wore a yeah. lot of like black bracelets. And you know how we used to tie them so that. You would take two. And oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I so that. I did that a lot with my Adidas Sambas, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> As a kid, I don't I don't remember much. Um, but I just remember in, in high school, just always wanting the name brand stuff because everybody had it. Yep. Like, you had to have a North Face jacket, North Face oh. book bag. You're, you're, you had to have the Pepe jeans, at least, yep. like, in my high school. And it's like, if you didn't have them, or you were just... Judge constantly. Now I feel like people don't really judge because now it's like, oh, just wear whatever you want. I have whatever the same North Face jacket yeah. that my mom bought me. She bought it for me in seventh grade. It still fits me. I still have it yeah. because she made me feel so guilty. She's like, this jacket is $200. You know what, mom? I got my money's worth. Okay, yeah. I still wear it to this day. Yeah, it's crazy though because like looking back, because my parents had to put this stuff on layaway. We couldn't yeah, just buy yeah, it. Yeah, so yeah. If, for those, you know, Gen Z that doesn't know what layaway is, it's not a credit card. 
right? You would have oh, to Gen, go. Gen X and boomers don't think that we don't know what layaway is. Yeah, so. like I still remember that. Like I remember my, um, I wanted a pair of Jordan. I forget. No, Tim's. Okay. Me too. My, my mom had my Tim's on, on layaway for, I don't know how long for me to get them. Oh, my parents did not get me those. They went to Payless and they got the Tim knockoff. <laughs> and I really wore those so proudly. Yeah. And when I looked back, I cringed. Like I cringed. They were, so, they had heels on them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like a the platform. Oh yeah. Oh god. Oh yes. And looking back, it's like, how dare me put this pressure on my parents when they couldn't like afford what they wanted, but they like did everything they could to get it for me. Parents, so in though. that sense, they wouldn't like make me feel like they would make me feel guilty for yeah. other things in a certain way. Um, but stuff like that, just it would make them happy to to get it. So my parents have have both. There, but there's always that too, like uh, in terms of like buying stuff for your kids Mm -hmm. like obviously like yeah like luxury items you can get a luxury item but it's gonna be like you know twice a year at most (laughs) and something like that so like i like for me like tim's like i had you know tim's was it for Mm -hmm. me was it like i had like the wheat tim's i had black tim's um, I had the swamps. You don't know about the swamps? Yes. Yo, the, the swamps. And, oh, no. Beef and broccoli. Remember we used to call them beef and broccoli, the green and brown ones? Yeah. I didn't have the Those green and brown ones. Nice. I, didn't, I didn't have the green and browns. Yeah. I love I had, them. I had, it was, um, like, with the, with the, like, the, it was Same. like, <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I didn't get Tim's, so I was in college because right, I got them like the myself. Canvas on the, um, yeah. it was like black canvas and it was the wheat oh, top. Right <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, I, 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 I check every now and then and I'm just like, and I look at it, I'm like, Kalina's like, no, you can't pull those off anymore. <laughs> get the Tim. Oh, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get them one day for myself. Um, Podcast new name. Get, get the, the Tim. Right. Yeah. There you go. What, what's a, a uh, so what's a song from back in the day that was like, that was your jam? And I'm talking like maybe like in the 2000s, like 2000 and 2009. Like what was a song back then was like, that was like your thing. I mean, think about like, let me give you some examples, right? So, so if you think about like the like from the like late '90s to like early 2000s, so you have like your pop revival, right, with like your Britney Spears and your Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, and you had like your solo runs, like you know Beyonce went solo in like 2003. See, that's that sounds like a long time ago, right? Like her first album, I think it was like 2003, a solo album it was like oh three, and I'm Beyonce? like, yeah, and it was it was such a big thing when she left 3LW. I'm at 3LW. Oh my oh, gosh. Whoa. Whoa. I didn't mean to tell anybody. Destiny's that's Child. Cut, yo. No. <laughs> you know why? Because I had a 3LW song stuck in my head. That's oh, okay. why. That's, it's that's, not yeah, the song I was going to say. But yeah, that was such a big thing. Beyonce going solo. Exactly. But even that was like, okay, that's about to be 20 years and mm-hmm. two years. Like that, you know, when that, like those songs came out, I'm like, oh, song. <laughs> you know, so like I can't tell my students about that. <laughs> They're like, who? But what, what was like your jam as like a teenager or even like before that? What was, what was a song that was like? Or or an artist or band that was like you loved it. I know we kind of mentioned like the like the pop punk, yeah, stuff emo and all. There's that. no in between for me. It's either Confessions by Usher because I played <laughs> that album so many times, yeah. still have it, yeah. still in my car, or it was Evanescence Bring Me to Life. Oh, that was a mega that hit. brought me to life. Yeah. That was a mega hit. <laughs> literally brought me back to life. <laughs> literally brought me back to life. Every well, because like she she um, wasn't it Amy the lead singer Amy something. Oh, I forgot. But she was like. You know, like the goth girl. Yeah, that was cool because like she could sing. Like she just she has a great voice, yeah. and so you know, I was like, ooh, like I can be goth and be talented. Yeah, for me, I don't know. It's like stages. Like I had a whole Lincoln Park stage. Oh, like, I think everyone had a everyone Park. Had like an emo. <laughs> Everybody had yeah. a Lincoln Park. I knew stage. it's so funny because like looking back, it's like you know you you went on summer break and then people came back and it's like 
you're emo now? Like you had a whole different personality. Well, let's just define what that means though for the listeners who might not know what emo means because it's, you know, it's like a joke now. Oh yeah. Emo we, means like emotional. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she, we were talking about this a while ago and she brought up like for us, like now Gen Z, they want everything to seem perfect. Like I'm doing everything like I'm have, I have the best life and I have this whatever. When we were kids or in middle school, it'd be like, oh, uh, my parents suck. I you it. wanted I to have issues. You wanted, yeah, yeah. you wanted pain. So yeah. I had the Linkin Park stage. I remember coming home and listening to, like, when I started realizing I enjoyed to sing, I would listen to the Honey album by Mariah Carey every, <laughs> oh, and it was, no. like, such an event. Like, I would learn a song, and then I'd be like, Mom, Mom, come here. You got to hear this. So I would sing the song, like, to, like, my mom listening. Uh, and you had somebody that, that you loved, too. It wasn't the Did that kick DMX. off Jessica Alba's Oh, was I wasn't, it? I used did that kick off I used to be obsessed with Ja Rule. There we go. Oh, I man. had a whole. What would I be without my baby? <laughs> and now, oh, oh my god, my like, what is wrong with me? I had a whole binder. You know those like <laughs> teen magazines? I would cut out every article about him, and like I had, I had a section for Ashanti. Like I had all these. It was that was me with Fifty Cent. So yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not gonna talk about it. But they had two. <laughs> I would be a hundred times more proud of being in love with Fifty Cent than I would of Ja Rule, just because of how they are now. But. Yeah, I, I say I don't, I'm all over the place. <laughs> For me, it was kind of like we listened to a lot of gospel music growing up. So in a car, my grandma was like, "I was like, can we turn it like you know, hot '97?" She was like, <laughs> "No, She's like you know, we should we listen to this old school like you know, hymns, music, whatever." For like years. So at the moment, you know, I did start listening to little uh, Lil Kim. <laughs> oh! I was like, my grandma walked to the door, and she's like. <laughs> And so is that what you like to listen to? Oh is that what you God. want? I was like, in my head, I'm like, no, no, no. But I'm like, no, no, he, no. He's nodding for those who can't see him. <laughs> Please tell me you had a poster. Uh, so I had, when I got more courage. No, I, no you know exactly I, what picture I'm I, thinking about, right? I have one, the one you're probably thinking of. Uh, uh, don't, don't, don't describe it. Don't, don't, describe, say, it. don't, don't describe, describe it. Don't, don't describe say where you had it. I do, I do remember. I that love poster. Jesus. So it, was in my, it was in my room. I love Jesus. God knows my heart. <laughs> so yeah, a little kid, but then I went to my Lincoln Park phase and yeah. then I went to like, you know, hardcore, like, you know, like, you know, trash yeah, music. So going back to uh, Eric's uh, oh, experience man. with church. Yeah, church. All right. So I think that's a perfect way to, to, for us to talk about our church experiences as the millennial generation. So I'll just frame it like this. All right. We're the weirdos. Yeah. Okay. We're the weirdos who either stayed or came in. Mm-hmm. Shock. Does that, you know, it, first of all, is that, that is a, a, like, you know, statistically accurate, but I want to talk about like, what does that mean though? Like for us. So if we're, if you're a person who is, you know, um, in a church community in your twenties and thirties, I mean, you're like prime, like, oh my gosh, like in, in plenty of churches in America, it's like, you're here, like, whoa, you know, but here at Christ Fellowship, like we do have like a sizable amount of people who are in like our millennial or gen z and, and gen z bracket mm-hmm. so i want to just kind of kind of freely talk about just our experiences in church and then i want to also talk about um what we think church uh moving forward as we get older especially 
um, maybe should be like or should should kind of pay attention to, especially as we are the ones in like kind of the prime years of things entering into that. So in terms of experience, so Eric, we've heard from you um, because that was your whole family uh, about church experience. <laughs> yeah. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pass over here because we've heard I'll a few of the time. <laughs> I don't know. If, it sounds like you don't want to really go there. Anymore. No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Thank so you. So I'll ask uh, I'll ask uh, the ladies here. So for their kind of what your experience has been in church. Maybe we could start with like when you started coming into church. We could start with that. Like when did you start coming into church? Um. So I was I was raised in church. You could say like my parents uh, have a Christian background, but that wasn't. I wouldn't say that's when my journey began. I guess mine, when I decided to follow the Lord, I was like 18, 19. I was like leaving high school, entering college. Um, so that's when it became like my personal walk. But just like looking back and thinking of it, the the growing stages, I guess early on, um, I feel like I was very unrelatable to, like because of my walk, it made me unrelatable to the people around me. If that makes sense. You mean from a generational point of view? Because of my new uh, morals and like the way I thought I was supposed to be living as a as a Christian, it kind of made me unrelatable to like my friends or, or anything like that because this became my life. This became like my church friends or everything, my my ministries, all that stuff like became my everything. And then as I, you know, grew up or whatever, like that's when I've learned to really manage. Like I've I've learned how to. Um, yeah, like find a balance with still being re- able to like minister and relate to other people and 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 not isolate yourself. Yeah, like not isolate yeah. myself based on my beliefs and stuff. What made you want to you said you did that at 18, 19, though? Mm-hmm. Like what was that distinction for you? Like what made you because you said you grew up in the church. I'm mm-hmm. only asking because my story is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, like. You said you grew up, but you didn't actually choose to really get involved until like 18, 19. What sparked that for you? Yeah, I guess not choose, but I guess um, like as a teenager, I, I moved a lot as a kid. So that kind of made me very like, where do I fit in? Um, I tried like different things and I could never really like, um, I was never really comfortable with myself. So that kind of made me like feel like pretty low in life in that moment. Um, and then I guess I just like, I came to to church one day or I heard a teaching or a message I can't I can't remember a specific time but I just knew that as I learned about this God that loved me for who I am and he knit me together and he like knows who I am I I was able to find and be more comfortable in who I am um so that's what like really stuck to me like I knew I had a plan and a purpose you know for for me and I wasn't just like lost like I felt Mm -hmm. lost before Mm -hmm. and then now I like God had taught me like my value he taught me you know what he created me for Christina? So my <clears throat> my walk with church is just slightly different. I um I grew up with a very Portuguese family, so our entire origin kind of stems from like the Portuguese Catholic Church. So even though I always grew up with a religious background, it was religion and culture very tied together. So you kind of lost sight of the actual religious portion. So I didn't grow up Christian. I actually just grew up thinking I had to go to CCD. I had to do my seven sacraments and you know, like every Sunday I just do this and try not to laugh in church and try not to fall asleep. That was like my life. And the Catholic church was also so condemning in their approach with the message. Like I never left with anything from church except these are the 10 commandments. Make sure you follow them. And if you don't, well, you're kind of like doomed. And so that pushed my generation so far away from church. Like I even stayed because my mom was a CCD teacher. So even after I had finished my, for those of you who don't know, that's like a Sunday school. 
even after I had finished my years of Sunday school, I stayed to help her out every Sunday with her class. But I didn't see anybody my age in church. There was only old people and then the people that were forced to be there because they were in Sunday school. And so I went on just always knowing that there was like I always believed in Jesus. I always believed in God. I also had a grandmother who was Christian and kind of like left the whole Catholic church thing. So she was actively pouring into me. But I did not live in the church. I was very much millennial in the world, kind of lost, like Leslie said, just because, you know, the we we were all going through our things and we were going through them with earthly beliefs. Like we were going through them as a community and I was like relying on my friends and giving them advice now that I would never give in a million years, <laughs> you know, and receiving that until I reached maybe about the age of like 21. And then I, and this is like part of my testimony, but I thought I had cancer. And then I realized, you know, all of this isn't really worth anything. Like, like I thought to myself, what, is the legacy that you left behind. What have you, like, who have you leaned on in this time and who are you going to lean on? And I thought to myself in this moment, well, I don't want to lean on this generation. You know what they're going to tell me if I tell them I have cancer? Oh, good luck. Or we're, we're sending vibes your way. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I, I can't, there was such a generational discourse for me actually in that moment that I was like, I need to, I need to go back to my roots. And even though I didn't know I knew that wasn't the Catholic Church. I knew it was Jesus. Like I knew that there was a God and I knew that I believed in his, you know, like sovereignty. So I found out about Christ Fellowship through um, someone that went to high school with me. I came here and I've been like that was where my journey started and kind of just like paved to me to the way like where I am now. But I didn't grow up in the church. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, as a teenager, I really had no desire either. It was something that I kind of like just strayed away from. I mean, it's and that's like a very like a uh, common story in a lot of ways because mm -hmm. it's like um, you know my family went to church, but I don't really you know. And there's a lot of, like obviously that's that's a huge you know personal thing to a lot of people, and you know like that's your family's dynamic and relationships. And because there's plenty of people like in our age group that maybe their parents were like you know very dedicated church folks and things like that, but maybe they didn't see them as like the most righteous people at home, and so yeah. they were like, well. I'm like, that's that's a bunch of the garbage. So I'm not going to do that, which obviously every generation can say that, too. Um, but when you see like different statistical analysis about how, like, you know, our generation does not attend churches or our generation doesn't, you know, at least align themselves to a particular religious statement or things like that. That's, you know, people kind of hit the alarm like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, this is this is this is terrible. But at the same time the question is like, why? Like, why is that happening, right? Like, what, what makes like uh, someone who grew up in the 90s and 2000s different in terms of like church beliefs, Christianity, than someone who grew up in like the 60s or grew up in like the 30s or whatever? Like, what really makes a difference? And it's hard to say. It's hard to say. Like, not, I think we question no. more. Like, as a generation, we also, a lot of us go to school more. Like, I know for me with the Catholic Church, I was like, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, and it wasn't that I questioned God. It wasn't that I questioned you know, like the main points, I guess you could say, like in high level summary, I just questioned like the Tradition. the traditions. Yeah. Like, why am I doing this? Is right. it just because my parents told me to? Is this really, you know, like, what am I getting out of this? Mm -hmm. If I'm just in church saying like, Christina, don't <clears throat> fall asleep. It, it, it was like, well, what's the value of this? And then it, it was also harder because we grew up this. This is my opinion. I think we grew up more in an era of science and we grew up in an era of also like a lot of controversial topics where it's like, well, how can I support my friend who maybe isn't straight? 
or and, and I don't want to like we don't have to go into depth in it, but I'm just giving like an example yeah. and also say like, hey, but I'm I'm a woman of God. It, it was hard. Like mm. at that time, I feel like we didn't have those answers. And so it was easier to just say, eh, well, this is too difficult. So I'm just going to like leave it over there. You know, like my parents are praying for me. So, hey, it's fine. <laughs> like my parents are are really religious. So hey, it works out for me kind of thing. You know, what do you think is and pivoting to that second question? What do you think is something that like as you know, we continue to age and we continue to you know in, in our enjoy our adulthood and things like that what's something that um church really should pay attention to when it comes to specifically like our generation what is something that's maybe needs to uh, happen or needs to be enhanced or be better i guess thinking about it and thinking about our church and thinking about you know um us growing up as christians or however you grew up um your family um there's different I feel like it's different layers for different people. And for me personally, I think it boils down to um, communication, talking, like talking about it more, like, you know, like have, you know, sparking the conversation, like the questions that people don't, won't want to answer. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like Christina was saying, like, you know, the stuff people just don't want to talk about, which is blatant. It's here, you know, yep. it's right in front of our faces, but we won't say anything about it. You know what I mean? Because it's because you don't have an answer or it's because you're just too uncomfortable to talk about it, yeah. you know? And we need to kind of look over that and get past that because the generation that's coming up behind us, they're kind of fearless and they don't really care if you think one thing or another, so which could lead them into a darker path or if you let them right, we let them right with more questions being answered and lead them into a better direction. You know, like... um. Perfect example. Growing up, um, I went to Columbia. Um, uh, you know, being, um, you know, um, what was it? Trans wasn't a thing. Um, because it was like, oh, you know, like, you don't really talk about it. Like, someone that's I'm just going to throw it out there. You know, we asked the church about it. No one really has an answer to it. You know, it's just, okay, that's not something we should be kind of discussing. Even with, to my own family, like, they asked about it. Like there was a trans guy in my, in my high school. No one wanted to talk about it. But his family, you know, I knew his family. We, not my family knew his family, but everyone just pretended that he didn't exist. But according to the Bible, like, well, what are we supposed to say? Like, we're not. The, the uncomfortable questions needs to be made comfortable at this point. We need to be uncomfortable now, talking about stuff that we don't want to talk about. And I feel like a lot of the generations prior to us um, kind of shoved it underneath the rug. To where it led to more issues now. Um, this isn't my my thing, my topic, but just to go off what you're saying, like yeah. the church is really has been known to rebuttal. Like we we get loud when for what we oppose, but we're never at the start of a conversation, like at the beginning. You know what I mean? Like right. we're, we don't talk about what we believe, so we're always the perspective that people have of us is when we're fighting back, when mm-hmm. we're saying, no, 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 you can't do this or whatever. Yeah, um, we always look like as, as far as like on social media, because I see it and I obviously get upset, you know, I, it's like I believe in God and stuff like that. And I see that this new generation, they're constantly combating Christians. Like, mm-hmm. but I think it's just because of years of them feeling like, well, you guys have fought us on everything. So like, look how hypocritical you are. Mm-hmm. And it's, and sometimes I look at it and I'm like, dang, it's, it's true. Like it's not every Christian, but there are a lot of times where I'm like, we could have handled that better or churches could have handled that better because we don't communicate and we mm-hmm. don't have the conversations. Even now I'm not going to lie. Like I'm just going to be transparent. Like even saying that example on this mic made me a little nervous. <laughs> me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like that level of, 
much secrecy has yeah. been instilled in us from the older generation. And now to to target millennials, to target Gen Z specifically, we have to realize that they don't live in a culture or we don't live in a culture where everything is hush hush or everything is um, um, like, what's the word? Not condemning, but where everything is um, like you're in trouble. Like yeah. we grew up where our parents were like, don't do this, you're in trouble. Everybody now wants to just be, it's like a free for all and they want to just they don't want to live under these rules and boundaries because mm. they need to know why. Mm. And if we are not talking about it, they're just going to continuously fight us. Like even our own generation, they're going to be like, well, like, like I said, like even when I was growing up, like, well, what's the point of this? Uh, my, my um, thought about like what the church should focus on more. This might be the most millennial thing I'll say, but like mental health. Um, I feel like when I first started my journey, the answer was always, oh, just pray about it. Just pray about it. And I just kept praying about it. And I never, like, I, I went through depression. I went through all these different things, like anxiety and stuff like that, like, throughout my 20s. And it was always like, I'm just going to keep praying about it. I'm just going to keep praying about it. And prayer is great. But we have so many, like, we have to address those things. So if, like, there's anyone that um, is new to their walk or something, like, address what is going on in your head, too. You know, don't just, like, continue to pray. But you have to, like, seek therapy to seek you know a christian base of course if that makes you more um comfortable but i would say that like more um effective maybe like tangible approaches yeah tangible things like that will help you know what I mean? oh, yeah that will help people right like yeah. an actual a more a more tangible thing that because when someone says that just pray about it um some people receive that as a challenge of faith like it's like I have to like uh, uh, be a certain way for this to actually work. And then even with that being said, it's like it does have for some people, they perceive it as like a like a, a magic, like literally like a magic thing. Like I'm going to say these words and poof, right. you know, it's going to happen now. Obviously, like, yes, can that happen? Of course. Um, is it the only thing that ever happens when that happens? No. Well, we I mean, and I'm sure plenty of us have like tragic experiences of that happening where. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've communicated with people where, you know, like, but I prayed and, you know, so-and-so still died. And they struggle with that because they were told to just. And, yeah. that, and like, that's, I think that's the key is the just part is, like, the singular action. Mm-hmm. Like, just pray about it. And then I've known people walked away from this whole thing. 100%. And they're like, you know what? Like, that didn't, and they'll say this, that did not work. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's crazy and because they. intangible. Yeah, like I think to them, they think that prayer is going to be like the magic solution. But I remember when I was going through anxiety and I was praying about it, it led me to a therapist who was also a Christian. And if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have got the, 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 tools. the tools. Yeah. And, and so I got the scripture and I got the therapy right. and I just prayed about it. Right. Like God didn't just choose to remove that thorn for me in that moment with a snap of his finger. I still had to seek out help. Yeah. And I, and I feel like sometimes the older generation you know, maybe that generation also had more faith and that's okay. That could be their generational thing. Right. But like, if we're going to have that, if we're going to tap into those spiritual gifts or those spiritual parts of our personalities, like we don't come by faith as easily as they do in this generation. So it's like, help us understand that in the way that we see fit. If that means like, yeah, I'm going to pray about it. Okay. Well, give me the tools to pray and what else I can do, you know, like teach me to build my faith in the Lord. Because it's like Leslie said, there are a lot of people who are just coming into this or even like you said, and they're like, oh, well, I prayed about it. And I think maybe the generation before them gave them the wrong impression. 
And we need to just open that level of communication to say, yeah, there, prayer is powerful. Mm-hmm. And it can literally do anything. But there are other there are other tools that the Bible has given us or that people have given us. Absolutely. Because I think that, you know, like you, you know, based off of what you, Christina and Leslie just talking about with mental health, that's huge because just going back culturally, like that's not what, you know, speaking of my own culture, that's not what we did. Mm-hmm. We didn't go to therapy. That mental health was not a thing. You prayed about it and prayed about it until eventually it went away. But did it go away? No. It festered. It turned into for alcoholism for some people. It right. turned into addictions, you know. And yeah, we had church, we had this, we had that. But no, we. I believe we need the combination of mm-hmm. of, of two. And me becoming a therapist, uh, you know, graduating with it, that shed a different light to my own family, seeing that I can have, you know, the I guess the what's the word I'm looking for, like the. The physical manifestation of it, and like as myself as a therapist, but also the, my spiritual side, those two combinations can come together, because God has given me, giving people us the ability to be able to go seek help. He's right. given us the, He's made us. I believe it was even said today, like He made us how we're supposed to be, so that we can people can come to us for help if they need to. God made us. So why not go look, get the blessing he's been bestowed upon us already? Like going yeah. to therapy and going to get help when you need it. Because new Christians that are coming in that may not know about Christ, you say pray about it. They don't understand what that means. They need someone else that God right. places there to say, hey, this is how we're going to do things. But what's on your chest? Talk to me. What's I think I think this is even biblically enforced though, right? Because like there's there's scripture in the Bible that says if you want wisdom literally pray and god god will give you god will give wisdom to those who ask right but at the same time we also rely on wisdom from our church elders from our pastors right so we can be receiving wisdom through prayer we could even be receiving it through other people we could be receiving it through life experiences through storms like there's not just a one size fits all some people have the spiritual gift of prayer some people have the spiritual gift of shepherding or you know like being a therapist some people have the like everybody is has their own gift and God is using each and every one of them. So to just kind of limit that to prayer, mm. it's not that prayer isn't effective, but there are so many other tools that make up the hands and feet of the church. And I think mental health, like the reason that topic kind of got limited is because there was a stigma in that generation mm-hmm. in general, like outside of the church about mental health. Our parents don't even think sometimes therapy is real. Like when I, I have, I still to this day have not told my dad, I see a therapist. Right. He like would not understand that. But so like, and, and now bringing that mentality into the church, right. it's like, okay, now you have Christians yeah. who also still don't believe that mental health is a thing. Yeah. It's hard for them to, I think, like address it. So I think that's like the big disparity between our generation. Because they even call like therapies, therapists like quacks. I don't know if you guys remember that. Like, yeah, go to the quack. <laughs> I'm like, what? I don't know. Like, okay. I, I, yeah, I think, I think that the, a lot of this is victim of stereotyping of like, yeah. you know, like the kind of like quasi uh freudian like you know lay on the couch and you know yeah. there's gonna be scribbling like you know you're gonna be talking about your problems and the 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 quack is gonna be playing tic-tac-toe by himself yeah. or whatever and and i think yeah. so there's a stereotype of that i also think there's a stereotype and um uh i talked about some um in the recording with samantha about mental health this the kind of this you know stigma but it's you know stereotyping of like you know like i'm not crazy <laughs> you know things like that so i think uh that's important and going with the, what everyone said too uh, it seems that there's definitely a need for like communication and for you know authenticity, like a real like authenticity thing, and not just like the ritual of church and the ritual of yeah. 
even prayer, or like the ritual, you know, you can say, you know, rub a dub dub, thanks for the grub. Oh, I prayed today, you know, <laughs> and then like that's 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 it, right? So it's like the ritual of different things, but nothing behind it. And I think that's what drives people away from people have beliefs, people have spiritual beliefs. They might believe that there is a God or something or someone, fill in the blank. And they might have those beliefs and they might think of like, you know, more morality and things like that. But they might not think like, okay, but I want to commit to being a part of this particular community, like, you know, Christ Fellowship or wherever, you know. And I think that's what sets a lot of people in our bracket away because it's like, I don't know if I want to commit to like being a part of this and like make friends here. Or like if we, you know, if we have children, like, I don't know if we want to like, you know, set up a play date or whatever. Like, I don't know about all that because I don't know, is this real? Is this not real? So there's that hesitation. But I do think from what everyone said, like that communication that, you know, we're talking about boldness, but boldness in terms of like actually communicating and teaching like what we do actually believe versus what we're, you know, in the negative just yeah. against and I and I hear you on that a lot and I or no I'm sorry Leslie I think you said that or I think both of you kind of commented on that because I I feel that way personally a lot um you know it's in terms of like you know our our being energized by you know fighting against something but not being as energized to really take the lifelong walk of learning about God in that sense and instead of just like operating from like a defensive position mm-hmm. versus operating from a life-giving, you know, flowing fountain of water, gift of life position. Like a Jesus position. And I think that's I think that's what muddies everything, you know, together. People, you know, come to churches and they're like, okay, like, what do you believe about X topic? And that's gonna determine whether or not I <laughs> whether or not I like stay here or not. And you know, are you this or are you that? And it's like, uh, you know, it's one of those like awkward, it's an awkward thing. It's an awkward thing. Uh, to wrap up, to wrap up, I just want to just say uh, just one thing and just just say one sentence to and you got to fill in this blank like, you know, uh, someone older than me needs to understand blank. Someone younger than me needs to understand blank and just got to finish that statement. No explanation. Just just like a, a definitive statement. You know, someone older than me needs to understand blank you know, about our generation someone younger than me. So it's like you're talking to two generations, you're talking to the older generation and you're talking to a younger generation in terms of understanding the, the middle child. No explanation. Just, just a, a, a definitive statement. Uh, someone older than me needs to realize that life is short, do the things, and someone younger than me needs to realize life is short, do the things. It is what it is. <laughs> I'm uh, still struggling. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's a good answer. That's a great answer. Uh, someone older than me needs to understand uh, that we do fall and fail sometimes. And someone younger than me needs to realize that uh, they're not invincible. They will fall and fail sometimes too. Oh, that's a good one. Someone older than me needs to realize you know what? Someone older than me needs to realize that their experiences are not the only definition of what I'm going through. Go off. And someone, <laughs> <laughs> and someone younger than me needs to realize that their definitions of life are not the only, yeah. the only answer to everything either. Like they need to be open. They need to be more open. 
Great. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate your time. Uh, we talked a lot about different subjects, but I think it was also helpful for us to talk about it. <laughs> Um, because now that you know we have huge weight up our well because now now that this our, was therapy <laughs> it, it was it was helpful um because uh, us uh you know being fully into adulthood i think it calls for us to reflect on our own lives you know and, and fully into <laughs> fully into adulthood helps with that because uh you know we're not we're not kids um even though some people still view us as kids quote unquote which is you know kind of awkward but i think it is helpful for each generation also to reflect on themselves really whether you're a gen z millennial gen x just kind of reflecting on like your own life and where you're at now especially i think um so thank you guys appreciate it appreciate your time and thank you hopefully we can uh, get some more conversations going Absolutely. let's make a youtube channel yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. You can also join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's story. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.